the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, September 30th. Can you believe we are on the edge of October already? Well, today on the program, you're going to have an opportunity to hear this week's Christian Outlook. Uh, my um, counterpart, Don Crow, will talk with Mary Voigt of Voigt Strategies. They'll talk about the Virginia Governor Youngkin's efforts to create a policy in public education that reflects his campaign promises. Not all that unusual for a politician. And we'll hear from uh, Bethany Mandel. She's the author and a columnist and homeschool mom about Banned Books Week. And Dr. Albert Moeller will take a closer look at a Los Angeles Times column about that very thing. James Capra, former DEA agent, now leading the Frontline Leadership Group, will talk about the fentanyl epidemic that's literally killing thousands of people today. All of that coming up and more on today's Christian Outlook, the second hour of today's program. The second half of the first hour of this program. Are you keeping all these equations straight? We'll take a look at the lighter side of the news and James Blend will join me to do just that. Well, on Sunday, on your way back from services, the Portland Marathon turning 50 this Sunday will begin. Thousands of athletes will run through 20 Portland neighborhoods that might include your own. Well, canceled by the pandemic in 2020, a few thousand runners returned in 2021. Well, this year, race officials expect about 7,000 athletes to line up Sunday morning for the marathon or half marathon distance. Well, this year marks the 50th running of the Portland Marathon. That's... uh, a rich tradition and history. It's a big year for the event. New for 2022 is the Portland Marathon Hall of History, displaying 50 years of race memories at the Runner Expo on Saturday at the Oregon Convention Center. Also new, a kid's one-mile out-and-back run along NATO Parkway. Kids will receive a shirt and medal, and they'll also get a bib with a timing chip in it, so the race is timed as well. Portland is known for being a great running community, and returning this year is the Neighborhood Cheer Challenge, which is always fun. I've done the Portland Marathon twice. Uh, the Cheer Challenge, I don't know about that part of it, but when you are running, especially in the last half of the marathon, to have people come out in the neighborhoods to cheer you on is priceless. This is one of the most unique aspects of the Portland Marathon. There are $1,000 prizes on the line for the best cheering neighborhood as voted by the runners. The marathon writes a check for $1,000 to the top vote getter. Uh, Additional payouts, $500, go to the remaining top five. Last year, there were co-winners, Brooklyn and Foster Powell. Foster Powell also won in 2019. So there's something fun for the neighborhoods that are disrupted by uh, these runners, the 26.2 mile uh, run through 20 Portland neighborhoods will mean road closures. Most notably, the Broadway Bridge will be closed for a few hours, which will impact TriMet and streetcar service. And of course, if you make your way across the bridge to go to service, uh, church service, that may disrupt you as well. So traffic will be impacted. Streets uh, used for the race will be posted. No parking from 2 p.m. on Saturday um, to 2 p.m. on Sunday. That's October 1st and 2nd. So do 
uh, make note of the changes that will be coming up. The Broadway Bridge will be closed at all motor or to all motor vehicles. TriMet buses and Portland streetcar from 6:30 a.m. to 9 a.m. TriMet seven to 17 bus lines will detour to the Steel Bridge. Sidewalks are expected to remain open for the bicyclists and pedestrians. Drivers are allowed to use the Steel and Fremont bridges during the closure. A Portland streetcar will loop. Uh, to provide some service as well. The Burnside Bridge, the north sidewalk, bike lane, and outside westbound lane of the bridge will remain closed from 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. TriMet bus routes will detour again to the Steel Bridge. The Morrison Bridge on-ramp from southwest Nido Parkway and uh, north and south traffic lanes. And the southeast water ramp of the bridge will remain closed due to construction. Selwood, the north sidewalk and westbound lane will be closed from 6.30 a.m. to 10.45. The south sidewalk and eastbound lane will remain open. Westbound drivers can use the Ross Island Bridge as an alternative. The lift spans of the Broadway and Burnside bridges will not open for river traffic from 6.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. So the Portland Marathon is back. In other news, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced in a speech on Friday that Russia would be formally annexing several regions of Ukraine that it continues to occupy. Since invading its western neighbor in February, Russian forces have suffered heavy losses. They have more recently been pushed back toward their own border after a Ukrainian counteroffensive found uh, success. In spite of the recent military setbacks, however, Putin asserted that the citizens of Luhansk, Donsk, and a couple of other uh, cities I'm not going to attempt to mispronounce, rather, have become uh, our citizens forever, end quote, directly addressing Ukraine's government and its real masters in the West. The uh, Russian leader said that he was open to negotiation, but noted that those regions would not be handed back to Ukraine, saying we shall defend our territory with all means available to us. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, he slammed the land grab as the fruit of sham referenda, declaring it in a statement that the results were orchestrated in Moscow and do not reflect the will of the people of Ukraine. Well, on the killer storm, Hurricane Ian, still a Category 1 hurricane, continued barreling north toward the Atlantic Ocean, where it moved through the Carolinas and Virginia on Friday. According to the National Hurricane Center, Ian made a third landfall near Georgetown, South Carolina, as a Category 1 with maximum sustained winds of 85 miles per hour. The NHC says that there is a danger of life-threatening storm surge along coasts of the Carolinas. So far, there are 21 confirmed deaths. Five appear to be non-storm related. Where's Jackie? Well, several Republican lawmakers shared their concerns about President Biden's latest gaffe in which he appeared to search for the late Representative Jackie Walorski, a Republican from Indiana, and a crowd while calling out for her. Several Republican lawmakers spoke out with their concerns on the president's mental state with Senator Ted Cruz saying that Joe Biden's diminished capacity is so blatantly obvious that even the White House press corps couldn't hide their concern. That's how you know it's bad. Fellow Texas Republican Representative Ronnie Jackson, who served as physician to the president for both Presidents Barack Obama and Donald Trump, again called for Biden to take a cognitive test. Politicizing pain, Democrats blaming climate change for the hurricane are at odds with science, according to experts. Well, not the people's choice. Iran protesters insist that Islamic regime does not represent the people in an exclusive interview. Adding to a Fox News poll, Representative, uh, or I should say Republican Senator Ron Johnson moves ahead in the Wisconsin Senate race as more voters express concern that Democrat Mandela Barnes' views are too extreme. 
Constitutional violation. The Arizona AG attorney general is suing President Biden to stop the illegal student loan handout. Overruled, former President Trump's team adds a win to their fight over Mar-a-Lago documents. U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon on Thursday overruled an order by Special Master Raymond Deary that said former President Donald Trump needed to provide any final objections or disputes regarding the items seized by the FBI during an unprecedented raid on Mar-a-Lago last month. Well, last week, Deary asked the Trump team that by uh, no later than September 30th today to provide a declaration of affidavit that includes a list of any specific items in the property inventory that they assert were not seized from the premises, a list of items that were seized, but to which the description of the contents or the location of the item was incorrect and a list and description of any item that Trump's legal team asserts was seized, but is not listed in the property receipt. This submission shall be plaintiff's final opportunity to raise any factual dispute as to the completeness and accuracy of the detailed property inventory, end quote. That's what Deary wrote in the filing last week. Well, Cannon, who appointed Deary as special master, reviewed his order and on Thursday said there shall be no separate requirement for Trump at this stage prior to the review of the seized materials to lodge ex ante final objections to the accuracy of defendant's inventory, its descriptions or its contents. It is a small win for the Trump team. In a Garden State hotspot, education advocates are weighing in on New Jersey's new mandatory climate change curriculum in schools. New Jersey is the first state to introduce a mandatory climate change curriculum. The State Board of Education on June the 20th of 2020 adopted First Lady Tammy Murphy's K-12 climate change education. The First Lady led the effort to integrate a climate change curriculum with the help of 130 educators. And a political change after Hurricane Ian, MSNBC analysts predict Governor Ron DeSantis is about to become a big government Republican. Calling it a display of empathy, the USA Today op-ed says President Biden's Where's Jackie gaffe demonstrated generosity and professionalism. Others say it was cause for concern. Dragging their feet, a Washington Post editorial criticizes Democrats for making excuses and a delaying ban on lawmakers trading stocks. Taking advantage, the U.S. stock market is tanking, but some experts say it's time to buy uh, the dip. And crime crisis, a Memphis community leader is urging fathers to be present in their children's lives in an effort to reduce violence. It's a novel idea. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll continue to take a look at some of the serious news of the day, followed by a lighter a look at the lighter headlines as well. So stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, um, Hurricane Ian has left Florida devastated. President Biden said Hurricane Ian may be responsible for substantial life, uh, loss of life and could end up being the deadliest storm in Florida history. The reported death toll from the storm as of Thursday afternoon stands at 21. 
That number has increased since I made notes on this story. More than 2.5 million customers across Florida were without power Thursday morning after Ian. Now a tropical storm walloped the state as one of the most powerful storms to ever hit the United States, causing widespread devastation and flooding that trapped residents in their homes. Orlando Sentinel reports that deadly hurricane Ian has downgraded to a tropical storm on Thursday morning and moved off Florida's Florida's east coast by 11 a.m., but was still dumping record amounts of rain to bring catastrophic flooding to the region. Of course, it moved back up to a Category 1 hurricane as it moved up the coast. A revised report shows GDP fell 0.6 percent in the second quarter, proving the U.S. to be in a recession something that most people who accepted the traditional definition already knew. Mortgage rates skyrocketed in one week, the highest in 15 years. The Wall Street Journal reports that mortgage rates rose to their highest level in more than 15 years, a new high since the 2008-2009 financial crisis that adds pressure to the already cooling U.S. housing market. The average rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage climbed to 6.7%, according to a survey lenders released on Thursday. It was the highest rate since July of 2007 and marked the sixth year in a row of rising rates. This week's rate was up from 6.29% last week. Moves that large in a single week have occurred only a handful of times since Freddie Mac started tracking them more than 50 years ago. A year ago, rates were 3.01%. Germany claims Russia is waging an energy war and takes on $200 billion in debt to help consumers. Barron's reports that German's uh, finance minister warned Thursday that Berlin was locked in an energy war against Vladimir Putin's Russia as his government announced a major new fund to cap soaring energy prices. We find ourselves in an energy war over prosperity and freedom, finance minister Christine Lindner told reporters, underlying that the massive shield against energy costs was a crystal clear answer to Putin that we are strong economically. A political rival comes to Italy's conservative Prime Minister Maloney's uh, defense. She is not a danger to democracy. Katie Pavlidge reports that speaking during a Democratic Governors Association reception and fundraiser in D.C. Wednesday night, President Joe Biden compared Italy's new and conservative Prime Minister, Georgia Maloney, to Chinese dictator Xi Jinping. Maloney campaigned on God, pride in country and defense of family values to win her place as Italy's next prime minister. And yet the left continues to paint her as a threat to democracy, a fascist. She was elected by voters. Zuckerberg's meta halts hiring amid losing seven hundred and ten billion dollars. And President Biden has appointed a special diplomat for plants and animals. The Washington Post reports for the first time, the United States is designing a special diplomat to advocate for global biodiversity amid what policymakers here and overseas increasingly recognize as an extinction crisis. Another crisis. Monica Medina is taking on a new role as special envoy for biodiversity and water resources. She currently serves as the department's assistant secretary for oceans and international environmental and scientific affairs. Katie Pavlich weighs in, saying President Joe Biden has created a new special diplomat position to represent plants and animals. What the paper left out is the connection Medina has to the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain. 
Democrats blocked a GOP attempt to get tougher on the fentanyl trade, a bill that would permanently put fentanyl-related substances in Schedule 1 of the Controlled Substances Act, was blocked on Wednesday by 220 House Democrats who voted against considering the legislation that would have given the government more power to crack down on the criminal enterprises profiting off of lethal fentanyl-related drugs. Focus on the Family invites you to bring your Bible to school. That's coming up this Thursday, or I should say next Thursday, October 6th. Students across the nation are gearing up to share their faith, celebrate religious freedom, and impact their world with the Bible on October 6th for Bring Your Bible to School Day. The annual event, sponsored by the Focus on the Family, encourages young students to boldly live out their faith. Last year, more than 500,000 students participated and were part of shining God's light in their schools. Elizabeth Ten uh, writes that Bring Your Bible to School Day is an excellent opportunity for our nation's students to boldly and freely stand for their faith. Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family, says. Also from Focus on the Family, this event empowers Christian students of all ages to speak God's grace and truth into the culture around them, starting with two simple steps, bringing their Bibles to school and sharing what God's word means to them. Pray for the students on October 6th. That's next Thursday. Some of them will face significant backlash. The Senate has approved a stopgap spending bill in a 75-25 vote Thursday. The Senate passed a stopgap spending bill to fund the federal government through the middle of December and avert a partial government shutdown as the current fiscal year ends this evening. The legislation now heads to the House, where it's expected to pass easily. The bill also includes another $12 billion in aid to Ukraine, both in provision of military equipment and weapons, as well as monetary support for Ukraine's government. New York follows California's lead in banning the sale of new cars, uh, gas cars, I should say, by 2035. It would appear that Democrat lawmakers in New York have joined California in the collective, well, insanity cult known as climate hysteria. On Thursday, New York Governor Kathy Hochul announced that the State Department of Environmental Conservation would soon be issuing new regulations that would ban the sale of new gasoline-powered vehicles by 2035. In New York, every week is Climate Week, Hochul declared, and we're committed to protecting our environment and combating climate change every single day. Electric vehicles are the key to achieving this. Now, my question is, do you have the infrastructure to support what you've now proposed? Governor Hochul noted that the eventual banning of fossil fuel powered vehicles would uh, be done on a progressive scale beginning in 2026 with mandating that 35 percent of the new vehicles sold must be electric. That percent rises to 68 percent by 2030. Hurricane Ian heads for final landfall, packing a storm surge, heavy rain, strong wind threats in the Carolinas. Jim Jordan says the FBI allegedly engaged in a purge of conservative employees, retaliating against whistleblowers. FBI insiders say agents who took a knee during BLM protests were rewarded. Republican senators are growing concerned by colleague Mitt Romney's refusal to help fellow Utah Republican Mike Lee decisively win his reelection campaign, a posture that could potentially keep their party from gaining a majority in the November elections. Unlike every other Republican senator, the 2012 failed Republican presidential uh, candidate is declining to express a preference in the Republican reelection bid of uh, Senator Lee in his effort against Democrat-endorsed Evan McMullen. Republicans' 2022 chances are better than some polls suggest, the Washington Examiner reports, and Justice Alito pushed back after Justice Kagan questioned the Supreme Court's legitimacy. 
Bill Clinton admits there is a limit to how many immigrants we can take. And on this day in history, 1777, the Continental Congress, forced to flee in the face of advancing British forces, moved to York, Pennsylvania. 1846, Boston dentist William Morton uses ether as an anesthetic for the first time as he extracts an ulcerated tooth from merchant Eben Frost. 1939, the first college football game to be televised is shown on Experimental Station W2XBS in New York as Fordham University defeats Waynesburg College 34-7. 1952, the motion picture This is Cinema, uh, Cinerama rather, which introduces the triple camera, triple projector Cinerama widescreen process and premieres at the Broadway Theater in New York. 1954, the first nuclear-powered submarine, the USS Nautilus, is commissioned by the U.S. Navy. 62, James Meredith, a black student, is escorted by federal marshals to the campus of the University of Mississippi, where he would be enrolled for classes the next day. Meredith's presidents sparked rioting that claimed two lives. 1972, Roberto Clemente hits a double against John Matlack of the New York Mets during Pittsburgh 5-0 victory at Three Rivers Stadium. The hits... Uh, the hit is the 3,000th and last of the Pirates' star, as he would die in a plane crash three months later. 2001, under the threat of U.S. military strikes, Afghanistan's hardline Taliban rulers said explicitly for the first time that, the, that Osama bin Laden is still in the country and that they know where his hideout is located. 2014, the first case of Ebola diagnosed in the U.S. is confirmed and a patient who had recently traveled to Liberia. And finally, on this day in history, 2018, U.S. and Canadian officials announce an agreement for Canada to take part in a revamped North American free trade deal with the U.S. and Mexico. The new agreement would be called the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, or USMCA. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, James Blind and the lighter side of the news. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. In a moment of weakness, I invited James Blinn to join me to talk about the lighter side of the news. I've since come to my senses, but it's too late. Welcome, James. Well, I thank you. It's good to be here uh, in person. Yes, After that's being, right. Uh, remote last week. That's right. And you're feeling better. I am feeling, yeah. Actually, I was telling somebody today, this is the first day I, I feel 100%. Or as close as I ever get. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. It's good to have you back. Well, this is a bit close to home. Woodburn, Oregon. Musio Chavez had the idea to grow out his mullet in 2014, but it didn't start to take shape until 2020. That's a very long time. It wasn't difficult. It was working from, I was working from home. I was fortunate enough to be able to do whatever I wanted with my hair. And when I quit my job, I started studying for the bar exam and was just at home every day, Chavez says, about his 80s hairstyle. When the pandemic hit, Chavez said that he wanted to bring joy, smiles to people's faces in Woodburn. Now, two years later, he's hoping his business in the front, party in the back haircut, brings home the title of America's best mullet wow it uh, represents the lifestyle that anything can be done chavez said i put it back i can be ready for court i let it go wild i'm ready for the party his mullet features the state of oregon shaved into the left side of his head recently he made the top 100 and fans voted for uh, their favorite via facebook 
uh, shooting him into the top 25 category. By the way, voting for the top 25 opens on October 7th on the USA Mullet Championship website and runs through the 11th of October. The winner will win a grand prize of $2,500. When I was in um, Fiji a Mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago, um, most of the other tourists there were from Australia or from New Zealand, and the mullet is apparently the way to go. There, I saw more mullets there than I think I've ever seen here at home. It reminds me of a time uh, a couple of years ago I was uh, in, in the world of concert promotions, was on tour with a band. And uh, I'm not going to name that band because I wouldn't want to embarrass Third Day. Uh, but uh, <laughs> one of the members of Third Day had grown their hair out uh, during the tour and decided one night after after the show backstage to cut their hair out into a mullet just for fun for a day. And they wore a ski cap the whole next day and revealed it on stage that <laughs> night, much to the shock of all of the other people in the band. <laughs> so, I mean, the mullets have a special place in my heart for that. That being said, did not have one in the 80s, did not have one in the 90s, and don't plan to have one today. All right. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. The Lloyd Center in Northeast Portland is known for ice skating, but a different kind of skate took over this past weekend. Portland's not-so-secret secret roller disco filled the empty old Marshalls building with fun on four wheels. There were events on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, the event on Sunday offered lessons for kids and beginners. I remember when uh, roller skating was a big deal. Um We wanted something safe and fun and social to do. We uh, love just doing something joyous for the community. It has... Uh, been something uh, that's needed. Well, that's brought the weekly roller disco to locations throughout the city, but the Lloyd Center takes it to a whole other level. It was a dream of ours to be inside Lloyd Center, and here we are. We've completely transformed the space. We would uh, almost not know where you were. Well, the secret roller disco has a goal of making skating accessible to everyone and connecting community. Anyone interested, by the way, in uh, their events can visit their website or check out the Instagram or Facebook pages the Secret Roller Disco. You know, it, I, I saw that earlier in the week as well. And uh, I don't know, I think looking at the, you know, I've been in some empty former stores before. I think I would be just a little worried with my own coordination and into slamming into one of those many poles that are around <laughs> in those places that, uh, you know, the big probably what three feet by three feet mm-hmm. wide pylons that, that help support the roof of those places. I, I'd be afraid of kind of whacking into one of those but when i was a kid at mount scott community center there was a roller skating area in the basement i skated into a pole it was the only time up until being in a coma this last year um, that i was ever unconscious but i skated into a pole just as you described so it certainly can happen ouch yeah that's the word for it Uh, I mentioned this in closing last Friday, but I thought I needed to fill in the blanks. Apparently, the Food and Drug Administration is issuing a warning against using NyQuil as a chicken marinade. Now, who in their right mind would consider such a thing? But the Food and Drug Administration has offered Americans some food for thought. It's a bad idea. Well, the federal agency felt obligated to issue the warning in light of a social media challenge. And, you know, they show up on TikTok and people, okay, it's on TikTok, I think I'll try it. Uh, encouraging people to cook chicken in NyQuil and other cough medicines. Well, the FDA's release notes that the idea of cooking chicken in cough syrup is silly and unappetizing, which may be the very reason people are going to do it. But it also may be potentially dangerous. Boiling a medication can make it much more concentrated and change its properties in other ways. 
Even if you don't eat the chicken, inhaling the medication's vapors while cooking could cause high levels of the drugs to enter your body. It could also hurt your lungs. Put simply, someone could take a dangerously high amount of the cough and cold medicine without even realizing it. Well, the FDI, FDA rather didn't cite any actual reports of people who've gone to the emergency room for chowing down on NyQuil chicken. But the agency mentioned a previous TikTok challenge that urged people to take large doses of the allergy medicine uh, sold under the brand name of Benadryl, among others, to try to induce hallucinations and that it led to reports of teenagers going to the emergency room. Why are teens more likely to want to participate in bizarre, potentially dangerous stunts on social media? Well, that's not a, a surprising answer. Well, according to HealthyChildren.org, if you want the official answer, the uh, prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that handles rational thought, isn't fully developed until a person hits their mid-20s. That is oftentimes delayed, however. People in their mid-40s, 50s, and 60s are subject to stupid things as well. Oh, I mean, I, you know, I, I look back at when I was a kid and some of the things that, you know, that were, you know, you would consider dumb and, and uh, wonder how you survived, you know, jumping off, by, you know, taking your bike off a ramp and that kind of stuff and, you know, in the middle of a street, uh, <laughs> you know, all those different things. I can only imagine how much more um, we would we would have got, you know, we would have done that was dumb if there was more than just a couple neighborhood kids you were trying to impress if yeah, you're trying to up. impress TikTok. Yeah, coming up with some uh, some idea. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, scientists have made its uh, most thorough examination, their estimation of the total population of ants. I know you're sitting on the edge of your chair for this one. The world's human population is forecast to surpass 8 billion in the coming months. 8 billion. Compared to ants, that is a mediocre milestone. Researchers have made the most thorough assessment to date of the global population of ants. Apparently, they had nothing better to do. Insects that have colonized almost everywhere on the planet and the estimated total of the mind-blowing 20 quadrillion, 20 quadrillion ants or approximately 2.5 million for every human. Now, if that isn't a science fiction show, I don't know what would be. It should come as little surprise, considering how ubiquitous these busy and social insects are, and the fact that they have thrived since the age of dinosaurs, with the oldest known ant fossil dating back, well, a very long time. 20 quadrillion ants. Huh? Huh? That, that feels like about what I wind up with uh, when I leave food out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably about right. Well, security cameras, uh, security cameras rather, at a toy store in Brazil were recording when a stray dog wandered into the business and attempted to steal a teddy bear. Just nonchalantly sauntered in. Well, the footage recorded by camera at a toy store in uh, Sao Paulo shows two dogs approaching the front door of the store and one of the canines goes inside. The other, uh, probably the lookout. The dog grabs a stuffed sheep in its mouth and attempts to leave the store, but the toy gets stuck in the doorway and the canine leaves it behind. Marcos Solar, the owner of the store, said that that he discovered the security camera footage after a customer told him a dog had been inside the shop. He jokingly wanted to... um, uh, make a poster, a wanted poster of the stray dog, which he dubbed Picado. He said Picado was uh, not the first stray dog to visit the store. Another canine had previously successfully stolen a smaller stuffed toy. So apparently there's some sort of gang activity in the area. Toy store uh, store owners beware. 
Well, 12 siblings in Spain have broken a world record with combined age of 1,058 years. A family of 12 siblings in Spain were awarded a Guinness World Record when their combined age was confirmed as 1,058 years and 249 days. The Hernandez-Perez siblings, who grew up and still live in the town of Moya on the island of Gran Canaria, range in age from 76 to 97. Uh, We never thought we'd break a world record, the family, composed of seven brothers and five sisters, said in a statement to Guinness World Record. It all started as a joke during a family reunion in June. Then, after seeing a newspaper article titled 12 Siblings Count More Than 1,000 Years, we started gathering information and reached out to the Guinness World Records folks, the statement said. The oldest sibling, the 98-year-old, or I should say he will turn 98 in December, Jose Hernandez Perez, uh, the youngest, Luis Perez, Hernandez Perez, turned 76 in April, 1,000 58 years. Hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show as we take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. We'll continue to do just that in the second hour, today's Christian Outlook. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. You know, people do odd things, inappropriate things in public places. People clip their toenails in places where it's inappropriate. Are you spying on me again? I'm sorry, just had an image that I can't unsee. But in this situation, it was the U.S. Open. And two were removed for, well, let's start at the beginning. There was quite a hairy situation at the U.S. Open on Tuesday night last. Two men, uh, this was actually earlier in the month, two men stay in the Arthur Ashe Stadium seats was um, cut short. After one buzzed the other's head right there in the stands while uh, the uh, two players played their quarterfinal. Uh, They had clippers and a sort of a cape a barber usually uses to keep a customer clean. Of course, the hair goes everywhere else. Soon enough, social media users were all excited about how a YouTuber known for his pranks had pulled this one off. Well, tournament security removed the two from the match. When someone saw it, security went to the two individuals. They were escorted out of their seats and then off the grounds for disruption of play. U.S. Tennis Association spokesperson said there is a first time for, well, just about anything. I mean, you know, every sport has the things you really shouldn't do. I mean, you know, you really shouldn't start the wave at a golf tournament or something like that. (laughs) And, you know, cutting up at, you know, cutting it up at uh, a uh, Tennis match seems to be apparently off the table as well. Apparently inappropriate. So, you know, they, they, they snipped that in the bud. They did. Yep. A Pennsylvania-based store chain celebrated its 40th anniversary uh, by breaking a Guinness World Record with a bobblehead figure measuring 16 feet, 6.73 inches high. Ollie's Bargain Outlet unveiled the giant bobblehead made in the image of the store mascot, Ollie, on Wednesday at the chain's flagship location in Harrisburg. This is in Pennsylvania. For 40 years, we've been committed to offering huge deals on brand name merchandise. So we wanted to create something big to help honor our anniversary. And what better than a 16 foot bobblehead? 16 foot bobblehead. That's a quote from the CEO of Ollie's. Well, Guinness World Records rules require the bobblehead to be an oversized replica of an existing model, which Ollie's sells as a promotional item. The team behind the giant bobblehead used 3D modeling, 
hand sculpting, carving, and painting to create the fully functional bobblehead over the course of four months. The previous record was set in 2016 when Florida-based Applied Underwriters unveiled a bobblehead that measured 15 feet, 4.75 inches high. Congratulations to Ollie's on their 40th anniversary. I'm excited to know that they they got the world record at 16 feet because that means I do not have to stop on my 17-foot Georgine Rice bobblehead. (laughs) Oh, wouldn't that be a vision? Again, literally quite, yes. Some things your imagination just cannot unsee. Well, a California man became the second person to ever kayak from California to Hawaii, a journey that took him 91 days. Now, how do you do that? The 46-year-old of Marin set off from Monterey in June in his modified kayak, which included pedals and a small sleeping cabin, but no motor or sail. His journey ended 91 days later when he arrived in Hilo last week. The adventurer attempted the same feat last year, but ended up being rescued by the Coast Guard, a helicopter due to weather and equipment issues. Uh, He said he spent about 10 hours a day paddling. Uh, I went easy and you need to have the right calories, he says. He was eating 4,000 calories a day. I was making sure that I would rest sufficiently at night. Um, Ed Gillett uh, became the first person to successfully kayak from California to Hawaii in 1987. Now, surely this was not unaided. He had to have had a larger vessel to provide food. And Anyway, what an undertaking. You know, it's mildly impressive to me. What really would be impressive to me, I mean, you know, because it's a long distance. I'll give him that. California to Hawaii is a long distance. But I really would be impressed if he had uh, kayak from, you know, like L.A. to New York. <laughs> that would be impressive. That would be severely impressive. That would be severely And I don't mean going down impressive. to the Panama Canal either. I mean, you know, <laughs> straight across. Doing it the hard way. Yes. Well, a cow herd in Germany has gained an unlikely following after adopting a lone wild boar piglet. Have you heard the news? <laughs> H-E-R-D, heard the news. Anyway, the wild boar piglet has been adopted by the German cows. Farmer Friedrich Stapel, uh, he told the DPA news agency that he spotted the piglet among the herd in the central German community of Breverer or something like that. About three weeks ago, it had likely lost its uh, group when they crossed a nearby river. Well, Staple said that uh, while he knows what extensive damage wild boars can cause, he can't bring himself to chase the animal away. Well, the local hunter has been uh, told not to shoot the piglet named Frida. And in winter, Staple plans to uh, put it in the shed with the mother cows. To leave it alone now would be unfair. So a lonely uh, wild boar piglet who will become a full-grown aggressive wild boar at some point is being coddled and cared for by the cows. Makes me want a bacon cheeseburger right about now. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Wow. Wow. That's what I, you know, I'd probably name the cow cheeseburger and the, you know, the the, the piglet uh, bacon in that scenario. Where's bacon cheeseburger? Oh, they're hanging out in the barn. Well, when he's moved to the barn with the mother, that might be the, the way to go. College photos of Tesla CEO Elon Musk and memorabilia from his girlfriend at the time sold for $165,000 at auction. 
Now, what value, what purpose? I don't get it. Well, Boston-based R&R Auctions said it was a collection of never-before-seen photos and memorabilia of Musk's college girlfriend, Jennifer Gwynn. Musk changed his Twitter profile to one of the photos on Wednesday. He's currently in a public fight with Twitter to try to get out of a $44 billion deal to buy the social media company with the highest stakes October trial over the dispute looming. Well, Gwen told the Boston Globe she read about the auction, an auction to uh, of test papers that Musk graded and realized she had far more personal items she could sell, including candid photos, a birthday card from him and a necklace he gave her. Musk and Gwen dated from 94 to 95 when they were both at the University of Pennsylvania. They split when Musk graduated, moved to California and said he couldn't talk uh, on the phone because it seemed like a waste of time to him. <laughs> wow. Oof. That's one way to break up. Uh, he broke up just before he started conquering the world, his ex-girlfriend says, with a gold necklace with a small green emerald from Musk gave to Gwen in late 94 as a birthday present sold for $51,000. A photo of Musk and Gwen posing with four other resident advisors before the school formal in 95 sold for $42,000. The auction house said the birthday card Musk signed to Gwen calling her boo-boo uh, sold for nearly $17,000. The 18 candid photos were sold individually. Some show Musk in North Providence, Rhode Island, where Gwen is from. She now lives in South Carolina. According to the Globe, she plans to use some of the proceeds for her stepson's college education. She and Musk have not kept in touch. My guess is this will not bring them together. But I do want to announce today that I have some memorabilia from the dating years with Dan Rice. I have a pencil that he used to write uh, letters to me. Um, it's been sharpened down quite low, but I'm willing to sell that. I have several pictures of uh, Dan Rice and I together during that period in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, I have a T-shirt that he wore at some point in that period of time that I'm willing to sell. So, James, if you could set that up, I think uh, we could yeah, make we can, some, we can we throw can make that some on coin. Ebay. Absolutely. Speaking of, speaking of all of that... Uh... Did you hear about the uh, the Mark Zuckerberg card? I did. How did that sell? I heard about it, but I, I didn't. I believe it was $120,000 is what I saw. What on earth are people thinking? A Little League baseball card of Mark Zuckerberg at like age eight or something like mm-hmm. that. I saw the card. And I believe he at some point had signed it. I don't know if it was back then or or more recently. And it went up for auction. It was like, I think I saw $120,000 was what it went for. Why? How much money do you have to have that one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars seems like a good investment in a in a baseball card of a kid? I don't get it. I mean, you know, some of the most valuable regular baseball cards out there are most of them are worth less than that. And what do you want to bet? Zuckerberg wasn't very good. Just based based on his career path, you you have to assume he wasn't. (laughs) Well, if you're looking for the dream job, the Japanese man who gets paid for nothing can maybe give you some advice. Shoji Morimoto has uh, what some would see as a dream job. He gets paid to do pretty much nothing. The 38-year-old resident charges 10,000 yen per booking to accompany clients and simply exist 
as a companion. Basically, I rent myself out. My job is to be wherever my clients want me to be and to do nothing in particular, he told Reuters, adding that he had to handle some 4,000 sessions in the past four years. With a lanky build and average looks, Morimoto uh, now boasts nearly a quarter of a million followers on Twitter, where he finds most of his clients, roughly a quarter of them, are repeat customers, including one who has hired him 270 times to just hang out. So they basically spent a, over a quarter million yen yeah, to hang out with this dude. Yeah, or for him to hang out with them. Yeah. Doing nothing doesn't mean Morimoto will do anything. He has turned down offers to move a fridge and go to Cambodia and doesn't take any requests that are inappropriate. Last week, he uh, sat opposite Aruna Chida, a 27-year-old data analyst, uh, clad in a sari, having a, a sparse conversation over tea and cakes. Uh, Chida wanted to wear the Indian garment out in public, but was worried it might embarrass her friends. So she turned to Morimoto for companionship. Seriously? I bet she was sorry she did that. Well, uh, this will help. Put, you said it was 10,000 Japanese yen? Yeah. In fairness, that works out to $69.08 currently. Well, currently $69, it's probably the value of closer to $30 given the inflation rate and all of that. Exactly. But so, yeah. but yeah, that's the current hey, uh, He's current going places. Rate. He's paying his rent and he's living the dream. Our last story for the day, a New Hampshire apartment building has a fresh look that's straight out of the iconic arcade game Donkey Kong. Manuel Ramirez and Cecilia Ulibari, co-founder and artists, co-founders and artists with nonprofit Positive Street Art, helped finish a Donkey Kong mural on the back of a building in Concord. On Tuesday, the Concord Monitor reported, artists reportedly spent about 100 hours over a two-week period on the homage uh, uh, to Donkey Kong. I thought you'd appreciate that because you're of that generation, of yes, that ilk, if you will. Well, the first story mural, uh, it features Mario wielding a hammer and Princess Pauline waiting for rescue with Donkey Kong looming in between. Oh, that's just endearing. It's touching. I moved. Okay, not so much. I was never into that whole thing. I bet you spent hours playing that ridiculous game. Yeah, I probably did, actually. Yeah, well... You might want to travel to New Hampshire. They've done it up big, really big, like big, big. All right. James has informed me that we have uh, run out of time. <laughs> I don't know why I let him keep the time because, well, he played Donkey Kong. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We've got news and traffic here at the top of the hour. And when we return this week's Christian Outlook. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.